good internet? It's the Harvest the Colin Atrophy, and I am very happy to welcome you to episode number 38 of Life Harvester Radio. Um, before I introduce our guest, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, there is no house... What am I talking about housekeeping? Listen, I just want to tell you, if you want to get mail from me every month, um, join my Patreon. I'll mail you something every month. It's I need something to do. We're staring down the barrel of being at home for a really long time. And I need a purpose, and... That purpose is sending you mail. So um, go look into it. It's There's literally options where I don't make any money, so I'm not trying to um, jack people. I just want attention. Uh, okay, that said, on to the guest. The guest is Tay Sims, the busiest woman in NYC punk. She um, works so hard at being uh, in bands. She's in so many of them. Uh, Taz, Terrorist, Twisted Thing, Penis Boys, arguably the best name. Uh, also the only one of the four that I haven't heard. Um, being in four bands is a lot. Uh, being in one band is too much for me. I'm in none. Anyway, uh, Tay's great and um, is uh, a compelling speaker and a really interesting person. And I'm really glad I uh, am helping you, uh, the Life Harvester audience, the uh, all, all 13 to 15 of you, uh, get to know her. Because I think that she is fantastic. And I can't wait for you to sit down and listen to this interview. It was conducted in Tay's very adorable living room. Okay, bye. Uh, I'm from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, capital city. Um, pretty, honestly, more diverse than I like to give it credit for a lot of the time. Because when I'm thinking about like punk and like growing up in punk in Ottawa, it was not diverse at all. But I did grow up in like a like lower income, like immigrant neighborhood. There's um, the like south side of Ottawa is like mostly that demographic. And that's where I grew up. Um, is it like a, a single immigrant community there or is it like a melange of, it's a melange. Yeah. It's like a lot of like, I feel like when I was growing up, there was like a lot of like Somalian kids went to my school. We were like one of like the only West Indian families, but you know, my family's Jamaican. Um, yeah. So it was like kind of like a mixed neighborhood, which was cool. Cause it was like little, you got a little flavor of every, every demographic of people yeah that shit is like i love that shit yeah and like also like even just i like grew up in like uh in the suburbs in like the rich part of a suburb right. or whatever but it's still because it's next to new york like my high school there was like i don't know like 15 languages spoken at my high school totally. or some shit and just thinking back on like the number of different kinds of food i ate as a kid yeah if like only that yeah if there was only that and not even like the diversity of my friend groups or whatever i'm like so fucking grateful for growing up in a place where there's people from all over. Yeah, like, you know, my one of my best, my best friend across the street from my house when I was growing up was like, her family was like super Greek, this like huge Greek family. And like, we were talking about this the other night, like uh, a friend of ours who's Greek was over and I was talking about like, oh, you're Baba and you're like, you're Yaya or whatever. And they're like, what, you know? It's like, yeah, like yeah. Angela Ginopoulos. Like, like grew up with her family <laughs> and like her like grandmother, like, you know, 
all the like old ladies sitting out on the lawn like drinking coffee and stuff like after like big whatever grew up in a very mixed neighborhood it was like yeah uh like lower income um yeah single mom just yeah. me and my mama just the two of you you're an only child yeah or i was an only child to a certain point she got married and had twins when i was 13 so i have oh well yeah i have like two younger siblings who are 17 now which is psycho it's wild yeah <laughs> um cool and what was your like what did what was your childhood like like what did you what were you into as a kid i was like a really lonely child i'm realizing now in my like adult like i like <laughs> i think about it i was like yeah i was like having so much fun but it was definitely like a. I grew up with like a lot of like adults because it was just me and my mom and like she my older cousin who he moved to canada from jamaica when he was 19 i believe my mom let him live in our basement and he was like my manny huh. um, for like rent or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was like when I was really little, I just hung out with him and his like girlfriends or whatever. And like a bunch of like, you know, 20 somethings. And then like when he moved out, it was like mostly just me and my mom and like my aunt and their like friends. Um, so I was like when I was home alone and stuff, it was like more like lonely style kind of just like talking to myself and like had yeah. a lot of imaginary friends my mom's always talking about zach and amy who were like these two imaginary friends i had forever um what mundane names for imaginary friends they were like it was like my grandfather who like i didn't know until i was about like seven when i met him he brought me this like uh book set that was like books on tape and these books and the two main characters were a monkey and a rabbit named Zach and Amy <laughs> cool. and I had like the puppets they came with like puppets or whatever yeah. and so I adopted them as like my imaginary friends and like my mom was talking to me like a couple months ago and she was like yeah yeah Zach and Amy and she was like yeah and then one day you just stopped talking to them and I kind of like she like was like hey what happened you know and I was just like oh they they like they're gone they like moved out or like whatever it was so just like they're gone like I'm over it yeah um, whoa but also the neighborhood I grew up in, there was a lot of kids, which was fortunate. So there was like a lot of like playing like cops and robbers with like, you know, like 20 kids deep yeah, like at like night, just like around. running around the neighborhood, which is something that I'm also like pretty thankful for in that regard is like home life was a little lonely, but it was always like easy to like go out and do whatever like bad kid shit yeah. we were doing. It's a good feeling too, like early independence. I feel like. Yeah. In certain places, you don't, people, like people, I think that happens less and less just now. Totally. Because of fear. Yeah. Of danger. But like, even people our age, I feel like that grew up in other places didn't have the same experience of just like running around unsupervised in yeah. huge packs. Right. Which is something I'm really like, because the neighborhood I grew up in was like a lot of different like, um, housing projects I guess like all of these little different like kind of neighborhoods of like row housing and so you would just like you knew like kind of like if you went to school with people they all generally lived in that area so you could like run around for like blocks and blocks and blocks and like you know go like play in someone else's neighborhood and know a bunch of people or whatever um so that was cool and uh yeah yeah <laughs> sick well, did you like music as a kid I did. I, um, my mom is like, has like pretty eclectic. My mom, my family immigrated from Jamaica when my mom was like three. Okay. And they moved to Western Canada. So like, but like 
my grandma taught public school on a native reservation. Whoa. So my family moved from like like the mount like the mountains in Jamaica to this like reservation like up north in Alberta, um, near Slave Lake. So my mom grew up like listening to like rock and roll and like yeah. whatever because there was like no black people. Um, it was like yeah like they lived on the res and then they moved to Edmonton and they were like one of three black families in Edmonton in like six in like 71 or like whatever yeah yeah um so they grew up like in like central and like western Canada um and then when my mom went to college she moved to Ontario and that's kind of when she started getting into like she was really into like like the first wave of like hip-hop and like whatever so she had like pretty eclectic taste which was cool cool yeah um and like we had like my aunt who i'm like really close with my aunt as well but she had like a record player and like records when i was younger and my like grandfather had a bunch of records that she like inherited so we were like always like on saturday mornings my mom would like send me to my aunt's house so she could go out and party on fridays and we would like wake up and my aunt would like put prints on and we'd like clean her house you know she would like make cleaning fun or whatever she'd be like we're gonna like bake cookies but we have to clean the house first or like whatever um so there was always like music was always like really like present and like my mom gave me like my first cds you know what were they one of the first ones was this uh it was like a comp that was like all of the like first like like it had um no doggy Dog, or whatever okay. on it yeah. and that was like my favorite cd forever yeah and then i think i had the the rugrats movie soundtrack that was another <laughs> one. and i had maya on it and that was a bop yeah um and i kind of just listened to like whatever my mom was listening to too yeah, like she sure. had a lot of like erica badu and like jill scott and like because it was the 90s oh, yeah. you know no, so all a, that yeah. shit was popping off and she was like you know in her early 30s or whatever yeah. She like went to the Essence Music Awards and stuff, and like did all that stuff. So cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> the what was the first music that you that felt like it was like that it was yours? Do you know what I mean? Like, Probably, do, you, do you remember? Yeah, I think like I was like really like into like pop music and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like getting my first like Spice Girls CD or something. Yeah, or like um, I had like a Spice Girls CD, and I remember my mom gave me like. A Busta Rhymes CD and I like listened to it so much and that was like oh, yeah. when I was like oh yeah this is like my shit you yeah. know um yeah but Spice Girls were definitely like a very like liberating moment for me <laughs> yeah have you watched Spice World recently no but I really really want to also my mom loves Meatloaf for whatever reason she's like obsessed and Meatloaf very is the lovable bus driver yeah in the Spice World movie yeah, it's so good it's a real I watched it like maybe three years ago in a hotel yeah and like Becca had fallen asleep and I was like painting my toenails and flipping the channels on the hotel TV and the, like the first 10 minutes maybe of Spice World was on and I was just like I know what I'm doing tonight dude yeah that the scene where with the like creepy stalker photographer guy where he like comes out of the toilet or remember or whatever <laughs> I remember like feeling like I was like oh this is like this man is scary like yeah you know um yeah also uh scary spice or like Mel C coming out and saying that her and Jerry boned. Did you see that? Uh-uh. I freaked out. I was oh like, those are like my two, those were my two favorite. And they were like still in my brain. I'm like, they're so hot or whatever. Yeah, and she like came out on record and was like, yeah, we like totally fooled around sex. or wow. whatever. And I was like, ah. That <laughs> like, rules. Yeah. 
I have like a really distinct memory of like hearing Green Day in the car on the radio uh -huh. and like that kind of being a moment where I was like, I was like, oh, like this is like rock music or like whatever. Yeah. And like being really young, like I was probably like six or seven um, and like, like hearing it and being like, oh, I really like this, like Green Day. Okay. Like cool. Or, or like whatever. Um, but I probably didn't get like super super into like alternative music or whatever until like the sixth sixth or seventh grade yeah and like that was like a pretty like you know i had like a pretty varied taste it was like anything that was kind of like scary or like hard or whatever you know i was like really into i had a friend whose brother was like super super into like dimu borgir like black metal <laughs> like and so like we would like okay, listen to cool. that shit yeah, too, yeah, yeah. you know like we were like she had like Slipknot posters all over her wall and stuff. So I got kind of like into like new metal and like whatever, but like yeah. was also listening to like Rancid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> all great things. Yeah. So um, yeah, I would say like sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. And it was like, say so the entry point is like, because you liked being, you liked scary stuff? No, the entry point was, I think, just like really liking like guitar based music generally, like always or whatever, since I was like very young. Um, and like my mom, like loving like ACDC and like, yeah, like whatever, yeah. meatloaf or whatever. And like, my mom loves Rush, like will like tell me stories about like going to see Rush, like back in the day or whatever, like hitchhiking with her boyfriend to Regina to go see Rush kind of wow. stuff or whatever. And like, so like being really into like that stuff because she, and like, she bought me like a Pink Floyd CD from like Costco in like the fifth grade. Cause I was like, she was like, oh, this is a good record. Yeah, you're going to like this. Yeah. Wow, I feel like a prog mom is a real rarity. Yeah, she's not... I wouldn't say that she's actually a prog mom. I think she just, like, those were things that she, like, knew about. Like, I don't think she was ever super ingrained in, like... Sure. In, like, music or whatever. But it was, like, what was, like, more popular with, like, her friends at the time. And she would be like, oh, yeah, like, I loved this when I was, like, you know, a teenager or whatever. Um, But, yeah, it was more so, like really liking guitar based music and like i always 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 wanted to play guitar like yeah. that was like i like begged my mom never got me one but i like begged and begged and begged her to like get me guitar lessons forever yeah. and she just like couldn't afford it or whatever uh -huh. um and uh there was actually honestly like a big part of how i found out about a lot of like kind of like underground music was like so like the Canadian equivalent to MTV is much music mm -hmm. and the French Canadian because Ottawa is like right on the border of Quebec the French right. Canadian we'd get all the French Canadian channels and the French Canadian equivalent is music plus and there was a show that was on at like midnight that was called Un de Trois Punk and they would play <laughs> like punk music videos on the show or whatever yeah. and I would like stay up and like watch that and there was like much loud too which was like like metal or like whatever and I would like stay up to like watch those shows and like would see music videos and I'd be like okay like like I don't know yeah like rancid yeah. or like whatever you know we're talking like what years are we talking um early 2000s late this 90s? is early 2000s because I'm so, 29 yeah so. okay so what videos are on like earned a twa punk punk it's like it's like it's what a cute name. I know, right? Yeah, it's fucking adorable. It would be like, yeah, like Green Day music videos or like Rancid. I'm like the Distillers. Like, yeah, hell yeah. Like all those bands that kind of like. That great. Yeah, dude, it's so good. It's really good. I love Brody Dale. 
Um, yeah, she's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so it was like, I feel like that like late 90s, early 2000s, like kind of like Warp Tour era, like all of those bands kind of like, like had like music videos and like whatever, um, like probably like, like, I'm going to say like later exploited and stuff too, uh-huh. or like, you know, like stuff, yeah, just like weird stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of like formative, like, and then I would just like go to bookstores and buy like magazines and like, I'd be like, Oh, like this record cover looks cool. Like AFI. Yeah. Oh yeah. AFI definitely like mu- AFI music videos and stuff. Um, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, like, uh, what kind of, what magazines are we talking like, like spin and shit like alternative press was okay. like one that was like pretty like accessible which was like a lot of like like emo and like whatever but it yeah. was like afi was always in it or like whatever um i can't actually remember there was like i feel like there was a point like later on when i was like in high school that like um the like canadian equivalent to like barnes and nobles or whatever started carrying mrr and I would like get those when I was yeah. like in high school or whatever, which was really cool. Um, yeah, I read about MRR. I like saw a picture of MRR in a spit in the like a, on a tiny little corner of a page in Spin. Yeah, that my aunt had gotten me a subscription to, and then I was like, "Oh, that's the thing I need." And they had it at Borders Books. Yeah. So I went there and I got and I would just get it every month. And like, I don't have the old issues anymore. I don't think that I had in like late junior high and early high school. But like, I would just lay on my bedroom floor and like listen to the same Bouncing Souls and Bikini Kill records over and over again and just like circle ads that I was interested in and not follow through on most of it because I didn't have any money because I was fucking 13. But like just daydreaming about like being a punk grown up or whatever. Totally. (laughs) was huge in my childhood. Yeah. And like, yeah, like I would like, I'd be like, whoa, these guys look really like cool and hard or whatever. And I would like rip the page out of the magazine and like, like put it on and like when i was around that age there was like inner like there was like very slow like dial up and like whatever yeah for sure but i could like you know like like kind of like i was never really good at downloading music but i feel like i had like a little mp3 player and i would like put like five it was like the ones that you could only have like 10 songs on them there was like no memory or whatever and i would be like okay like 50 cent in the club but then also like like i don't know like yeah like bikini kill or like whatever um yeah 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 so like sixth seventh grade i started kind of like getting more and more into like my own music or whatever and like by the time like eighth grade was like kind of when i like really like dove and i had this like one friend who like got held back a year so she was a year older than me and her name was Dee Dee, and she was like super gnarly like street punk girl and um she dated this like older street punk dude who was like in high school or whatever and we would like i would hang her mom was like also like never around or whatever so we would just like go to her house and like drink her mom's booze and like like i don't know like a lot of it too was just like seeing people's like t-shirts or whatever and like patches like, I remember buying a social distortion patch because it, like, looked cool and being like, yeah, right, like, social distortion, like, people like that. And then, like, listening to it and being like, oh, actually, I don't like this, yeah, no, like, this at is all. Terrible. This is, like, so terrible. Um, I definitely had, a like, a kind of embarrassing social distortion phase where I thought I was maturing out of, like, kids punk. Yeah. 
and it's like getting into grown-up punk which was social distortion and actually what was happening was i was insidiously becoming a rockabilly oh and the I, line is I avoided so thin. It. I like I managed to avoid it, but it was like it was a really touch and go for a minute where I was like almost a rockabilly. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that um you I had better. Well, I had this experience <laughs> where I was like really into the aesthetic and there was this bar, maybe it's still here in Manhattan on the west side called Rodeo Bar. Yeah. That like um was like a rockabilly bar that like a bunch of skinheads I knew would hang out with and and hang out with, would hang out at. Cause like the the progression from skinhead to rockabilly is much it's very, smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I was like kind of being like, oh, maybe this is the way to go. Maybe this is where I graduate to. And I was looking through like a photo book at my parents' house. It's like flipping through a page of old photos from the 60s, I want to say. Yeah. And I saw a picture of this dude that I thought looked really cool. And I looked at the caption and he was protesting desegregation. And you were like, oh. And I was like, no, yeah. thank you. This is not for me. I had like, I dipped a toe because of like, I can't remember what the other magazine that I used to get was called, but it was like, maybe it was even in alternative press, but there was like a, like, I always loved the Misfits. Like, sure. I like, st- I mean, still love them. But like, when I was like, that was like definitely like an entry band for me or whatever. Um, and I remember being like, because Misfits and Rockability were like very like closely like yeah. linked. Like Rockability fools like had Crimson Ghost tattoos and stuff, you know. And so I would like, I was like, oh yeah, okay, like Necromantics, like cool or like whatever. Yeah. And like I remember, I bought myself a horror pop CD, and I like listened to it a couple times and was like, oh, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know if I like actually like this. And then like yeah, like kind of had the same, like, like knew some like older folks that were like there was like this goth store in the mall downtown and like it there was like (laughs) it was like goth and like rockability you know or like whatever and like all of these like rockabilly girls would like go shop there and like hang out there or whatever and I remember being like you guys are not my people like I remember having this distinctive moment where I was like I don't really like this music and I don't think that I really fuck with y'all so like I'm going to listen to the casualties or like yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know? Like. I totally, yeah. The like Susie Homemaker, uh, wistful for the days yes. when America was more racist. So creepy. Aesthetic is really, yeah, it creeps me out yeah. in a big way. Um, what what was the first like, um, like how old were you when you got involved in like a local punk scene? Okay, so I, I like, I went to high school I went to high school and me and Dee Dee kind of like, she went to this like arts high school that I really wanted to go to and I tried out and I didn't get into it because my grades weren't good enough. Um, But uh, that was like her home high school. So she got to go there. And I went to the high school that was my home high school, which was like, like the, like ranked the third worst school, like in in my city or whatever. It was like really bad. And it was like really violent and really crazy. And um, but I always had a cool time cause I just fucking smoked weed and like, was like friends with everyone somehow. But in the 10th grade, um, these dudes that I like would kind of see, cause I would like go downtown and just like, like hang out with whoever yeah. the fuck, like people would just like meet up in the mall and then like go drink in this like park that's like downtown or whatever. Um, as you do when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh. So I like recognized these dudes or whatever, and they ended up living in an apartment behind my high school. Um, 
and I would like skip class and like go hang out in their apartment and like listen to records and like whatever and that was kind of like the the like like my first real like outside of this person who was kind of like not a gatekeeper but like outside of Didi and like her like boyfriend and like their friends they were like my friends you know and they yeah. were like they were older than me and they would like come and get me at lunch and like make me they would like I would like see them standing at the edge of the property because if they came onto the property the like security would kick them off or whatever and I would like go meet them and they'd be like can you go get us high school weed or whatever and I'd like <laughs> get them weed um, <laughs> wow <laughs> um and so those were like my first like kind of like these are like my friends you know like they lived in my neighborhood too so right. I could like you know on like the weekends I could just like go to their apartment and like yeah. And they were older. They could get beer and stuff. So I'd hang out with them all the time. Shitty, shitty dudes. Awful people. But I like... Sure. Whatever. First real punk friends. And uh, and they also like... For as much as they were just like some bro-ass street punk dudes were like... Like this one dude was like a skinhead and he like... He was like, oh, you like... You kind of like, oi, you know, like you should listen to the oppressed or whatever. And like, would like give me patches and like, they would like play records for me and like whatever. And that was cool. Um, and then I, because of them kind of like started going to this one house that had shows, um, cool. that was called Dis house. That so was like a punk house for a long time in my hometown. Um, and then I like met my first like real partner or whatever. And, I like dropped out of high school like the next year. So like in the 11th grade and I moved out that year too. Like I moved out when I was 16. Okay. Um, And like immediately like moved into a house with a bunch of punk girls. So it was like cool. a really quick transition from just like being in high school, like smoking weed and like kind of just like hanging out with whoever to like kind of like just being fully like in the middle of in it. In the middle of it. How um, old were they? My partner at the time was like a year older than me. Yeah. Um, Though the dudes that lived in that apartment, in my brain when I was younger, I was like, you're so old or whatever. But they were like, the drinking age in Canada is like 19. So they were like yeah. 18, 19. And I was sure. like 15, 16 when I met them. And how old are the people you moved into a house with when you were 16? Like, were they also teenagers? Uh, I think Ellen was like 18 and Amanda was like, yeah, they were like just graduated high school or like everyone had like, or like like my partner at the time had dropped out also and went to this alternative. We both ended up going to this alternative high school that was like downtown. Oh, wow. um, and I never finished still, but, uh, but yeah, so we moved. So because Ottawa borders Quebec, you can like live in Quebec and like commute into ta into Ottawa to like work or like go to school or whatever. Sure. And rent is a lot cheaper on the other side of the river. So the first house or like the first apartment, it was a house, but that I moved into was in Quebec with, yeah, like with three other women. Um, cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and that kind of like, and yeah, just from like going to shows at that house and like, I kind of just like found this whole community of people like pretty young and like started like volunteering at the anarchist info shop and like doing all that kind of hell yeah cool stuff. That rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, I, I'm, why did you drop out of high school? I mean, I, I can imagine many reasons why, but I'm right. curious. I like yours are. Um, I my mom still is like you were like too small. Like I just like I couldn't focus in school, but I also was just like why like why am I doing this, you know? Yeah. Um but also was like 
bad. And so I, 10th grade, I'm like, I remember my mom getting my 10th grade report card and being like, how could you actually miss this many days of school? This is like crazy. Because <laughs> right. I skipped so, because like at that point I was like going to shows, like hanging out all the time, like had all these older friends who like didn't go to school or like whatever and would just like, I would skip school like all the time. Um, and so when 11th grade started and me and Jackson started seeing each other, like he had dropped out and like was going to this alternative program and was gonna graduate like before his class. And so he was kind of just like, he was like, dude, like you just missed so much school. You might as well just drop yeah, out. Like it. it doesn't fucking make any sense. If you want to like go back, you can like enroll in this program or like not, you know, like, and I was like, you are right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I dropped out. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. It was kind of just like, yeah. And then like I dropped out before I moved out, but it ended up helping cause I had to like work and stuff yeah. anyways. And that alternative program was cool. Cause it like the, you could come in any time between like 8 AM and like 10 30 AM. And then you only had to be there for three hours a day. So it was like, if you had to like hold down a job or like do whatever, like <coughs> it was super helpful for people who are like in a situation like I was in or whatever. Um, yeah, that's so interesting that like, I mean, it's just like, it's so alien to me to even think about that being an option for yeah. a kid that like, oh, like maybe instead of just forcing all teens to do this same horrible shit, we can make options right for some teens who don't want to do that. Or totally. Whatever. And it was cool. I like honestly regret not finishing in that program because it was really really sick and it was like easier for me because it was all independent learning credits so mm -hmm. you just like get a te textbook or like a book and you work through the workbook and then when you're done the workbook you're done your credit like you do a test and then you're yeah. done your credit and I like literally like I only went to that school for like um like three months maybe and I finished like three credits you know yeah. like I could have like blown through it yeah for sure um and all the teachers were really cool and on the level and like they like let my partner run like a he was like really into uh it was like right when like Chainbreaker like like came out or whatever and like he was really into like fixing like the the big the like anthology Chainbreaker book or whatever and he was like really into bikes and so like one of the high school teachers like let him run the like outdoor like he fixed all the bikes for like their outdoor program oh. like she like paid they, the school yeah. like paid him like it was cool yeah that's great yeah <laughs> that's it's fucking fantastic yeah when, how, when did you start playing in bands because I think of you as someone who's like so active playing in bands I didn't start playing in bands until uh I think I was like 19 I 19 yeah, 18 or 19. I, like, played in a pretty bad, like, pop-punk band. Um, that was the first band I played guitar in. And it was, like, people I was living with, like, my best friend and another one of my best friends who I lived with. This is, like, a couple years after I moved out and we lived in, like, a really, like, a way bigger punk house and we had shows and stuff. And we started it with one of my dear friends who lives here now, too, which is cool. Um, Excellent. But uh, yeah, so that was the first band I played in. And I'm not even going to say the name because it's so bad. Oh, uh, <laughs> tell me when we're not recording. I will, I really yeah. It's so embarrassing. But yeah, I played guitar in that band and it was cool because they were just kind of like, like, you've never played in a band and like, that's fine. Like, you can like figure out a power chord and just like yeah. 
there was two guitarists. They were like, we'll figure it out, like whatever. How long had you been playing guitar at that point? That was something I wanted to ask and forgot. Like, um, when did you finally get a guitar? Well, I never, I honestly, it's just in the last couple of years that I've been able to like afford my own instruments, which is psycho. Whoa. But um, so the first guitar I ever like, the first guitar I ever touched was my mom dated this like random Rasta dude for like a couple weeks and she like never she would like never let me meet people she was seeing she kept me like very separate from sure. like all of that shit or whatever i understand that impulse yeah totally um but she let me meet this man and I, and he played guitar and i like and he gave me one guitar lesson and i remember because he wrote all of the like chord positions out on a piece of paper and i was i was probably like 10 or 11 at this point uh -huh. and then he left his guitar at my mom's house after the lesson and then they stopped seeing each other but the guitar was there for a while and so i would fuck around on it but i had no idea what i was doing sure and then eventually at some point he like came and got his guitar back so that was the first guitar i ever touched and then when i moved out with my ex or whatever he had like an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar and i would just like he he was who like taught me how to like play like like open chords and then i had this like this person who was like my punk uncle who like now we are not like we're not good at all anymore he's like an awful human being but at the time was like really like formative to like a lot of like me learning about a lot of like stuff that i really care about or whatever but he's who taught me how to play power chords and that was like and he was yeah. he even like he was like super like like raw punk like like super like really like only like like true ass like uk82 and like 77 <laughs> and like was super spiky or whatever and hated that pop punk band i played in and i asked him to record it and he was like only because you're playing in a band like which is cool yeah. you know um but uh yeah so i learned how to play guitar kind of like late in the game yeah for sure um and then it doesn't seem to have um hindered you much <laughs> at this point yeah um and then, uh, yeah, I played in that band and then I kind of, I played in like a really bad like crust band when I was like 20. And then I started playing drums. And that was kind of what started me like playing in bands more like frequently or whatever. Because everyone needs a drummer. Because everyone needs a fucking drummer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that was like super like, just lived in a house that had shows in the basement. There was always stuff set up to play or whatever and like my still one of my best friends jersey and my other friend eric were just like we're gonna like start this band like and you talked about wanting to play drums you just want to like go downstairs and fuck around or whatever and that's like how i taught myself how to play was playing in a band <laughs> that's the that's the i mean the like the beauty of like oh we just like we're in this punk house and there's just instruments downstairs totally makes space for so much stuff to happen i feel like yeah like every band I've been in as an adult pretty much was the result of just like hanging out and then being like oh let's go in the basement for a little bit and see yeah. what's happening yeah feels so good yeah it's like you know in that way it's like you don't think about like I guess I think about it more now as someone who has to like think about like gear or like whatever like often but like at the time like I didn't even think about it as like resources, but it was like so important to just be like in a place where like that stuff was like accessible and like those resources were just kind of like at my disposal. 
Yeah. Um, there's a PA there or whatever. There's a PA it's there. Huge. Yeah. A drum kit. There oy, was like oy, oy. a PA that used to like electrocute us every time we would have a show sure, or whatever. Of but like there was a PA, there's a whole drum kit, you know, and then like we just like pieced together like stuff and like and and like we had like a full back line down there for shows or whatever. Yeah. It's unfucking believable. Yeah. <laughs> How long did you live in that house? I lived in I lived in that house for actually only a year. We kind of like we would get like kicked out. We would like move into a house. There was like a <laughs> core group of like roommates that I had for like three or four years. That yeah. it was like they were like all my best friends. We only hung out with each other. We like booked shows at the house or whatever, and like everyone played in bands together, and like also everyone had these like messy ass friendships together or like whatever. But mm-hmm. um, but we would like move into a place and then it would like last a year and then we'd have to like find another house together or whatever. And I did like, I did a lot of traveling. I was like, I had like Google tendencies. So I like, you know, I moved out of one house with all of them and like freaked out on all of them. And I was like, I hate all of you. Like you ruined my life or whatever. And I like went to BC, like moved to BC for a while and then like lived in BC and like was like, I hate it here. And like came back and like, showed up at their house and was like, you guys let me know when there's a room opening up, you know, like tail between my legs. Like. Cool. Yeah. Are we, are we in your teens still or have we like made it to your 20s? This is like 19, 20. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I went out to BC when I was like 19 and then I moved back into that house when I was 20. Yeah. And when did you, when did you move here? When I was 23. Okay. Yeah. So in the interim, like you're in Canada still, you're living in, you're in Ontario. Yeah. You're living in, um, all these punk houses. You're playing in bands now. What kind of band? Like, what kind of shows are we talking? What's the like uh, vibe? Is it like it's um, like VFW hall or like a basement? Yeah. Or a like a, like or a club if it's like a like like bigger show or whatever. But for the most part, it was like pretty DIY, which is cool. Yeah. And like, what are the like? I unfortunately went to a lot of ska shows in high school. For I instance, went to, yeah. I, um, yeah. <laughs> when I got older. And started going to um, house shows like around here. I feel like it was like some kind of offshoot of pop punk that all comes from Hickey maybe. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like, I don't think it's pop punk. I don't know what you call it though. It's yeah. like maybe Hick twin influences of Hickey and the replacements where like everyone's a drug addict and it sounds uh, pretty horrifying, yeah. you know, but it's not, it definitely wasn't like a hardcore scene that I yeah. was in, you know, like. Um, but then I also would go to 538 to the hardcore shows or whatever. Like what was the sort of like, what was the sub, sub, sub right. set of punk that you were participating in? So when I was like a lot in like my early teens, it was like ska. Like there was yeah, like, I went to sure. Ottawa ska fest one year or Mazel whatever. Tov. And that was like in a gymnasium, which was cool. And it was <laughs> really insane and chaotic. Also, the same gymnasium had, like, I can't There was, like, this, like, kind of, like, there was a lot of, like, so it was, like, ska, and then it, there was, like, a lot of, um like, like, power violence and, yeah. like, that kind of stuff. When I was, like, kind of, like, 16, 17, there's this band from Montreal who I'm friends with, all very dear friends of mine, but they were called Violent Tent, and that was, like, a band that would come and play in Ottawa, and they were, like, uh you know, everybody loved them or whatever. But so there was like a lot of like power violence and stuff. And then otherwise it was a lot of like, like UK 82, like street punk yeah. kind of vibe. So, or, and this, like the punk house that I first started going to shows at was like all of the street punks used to like 
fuck with those fools because they were like the quote unquote like peace punks. Um, uh-huh. But they were like, that's how I like got into like discharge and like right. all of that kind of like and like crass and shit, you know, yeah. they were like painting banners and like they were all in like kind of like weirder like bands. Like there was this one band called Hope, like humans off planet Earth. That was like, <laughs> yeah, that was like, oh, I love that. And my friend Eric was in or whatever, but they were like, I love that fucking band or like another and like they were like more like anarcho punk, but like sure or whatever. And there was this other band called like ICBM when I was like way younger. And they were like more like crusty, like amoebic style, like whatever. So it was like ska and like that kind of like at that point I was just like, I was going to a lot of hardcore shows too. I was just like going yeah. to like whatever I could or whatever. I mean, and as then, a teen, you just kind of go to anything. Anything. Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, I started going to shows at that house and it was, and then I got like really into like anarcho punk and like, and like UK 82 stuff and like, like more like spiky punk like shit yeah. or whatever. Um, and yeah and so when I was like playing in bands like yeah I played in like this like really bad crust band for a while and then uh and then I when I started playing drums I played in this band that was I guess like kind of like a death rock band but it was like more like anarcho-punk like yeah the line is thin yeah definitely thin um like lots of like like weird like guitar pedal shit and like whatever um and that's kind of like where I like stayed, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah or that like, makes sense. yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and what what brought you? Like, why did you leave? Why did you come here? I like. Well, I I always left and came. Like, I lived in Southern Ontario for a while. I like always kind of like moved around and like did a lot of traveling and never really felt like. <laughs> there was like a point in time where I moved back to. Ottawa from Southern Ontario and I was like all right this is it like I was like I it felt kind of like this thing where I would leave and like our house would dissolve and then there wasn't like it what in my brain I thought were like good shows or like whatever like things that like were making people feel like excited not that I'm attributing that to myself but I do think that I like there was like a core group of us who are like putting in a lot of work or whatever and so I would leave and come back and be like okay well like fuck now I'm gonna start booking shows again or now I'm gonna like start another band or like whatever like because like otherwise it can be like a pretty bleak place yeah Um, was it mostly women doing that like behind the scenes work in Ottawa it was like there was like a couple of women it was honestly like pretty mixed yeah um I think that like like as far as like like kind of like yeah like booking shows and like kind of like organizing um it did seem like it was like mostly women like the anor- like the info shop was like mostly women were on the collective that's beautiful yeah which is cool cuz yeah. especially at that time it was like manarchist like central or oh, like yeah. whatever but there was like a lot of like really cool women involved in like all of the like anarchist and like political organizing when i was younger and still to this day like a yeah. lot of really cool women. What um, was what kind of political organizing were you doing? Well, at the time there was like, like the G20 summit mm-hmm. was happening in Toronto. So there was a lot of stuff going on around that when I was like 19, 20. Um, and then also the Vancouver Olympics. So there was like a lot of like, we're doing a lot of like, like actions. And like, there was like a lot of like, just like orga- organizing around that kind of stuff. Cause like the climate at the time, like, I don't know. It was like a really intense time. Yeah. Really, really crazy, actually. Also to be 
like in retrospect like 18 or 19 and to like know all of these like older like anarchists who were doing like a lot of direct action stuff and like being really inspired by that but then also like we felt like crazy direct consequences for like like obviously like being like involved in all of that stuff and like like I remember like like there was like this crazy like a bank got bombed that like supported the Vancouver Olympics and I woke up I lived in like this shack that was like on the back of the house and I woke up to my roommate like throwing my door open with like a newspaper in his hand he's like yo we have to talk right now everybody needs to get up like we all worked at this like hippie cafe and the cops went there to like talk to whatever there was like all this shit where basically the dude that managed the cafe like hated all of us because we all walked off the job because we figured out that he was like embezzling our tax money and we weren't like actually paying into a co-op we were like paying this dude's bills basically So he had like this weird like vendetta against all of us and like cops showed up were like asking him a bunch of questions and he like named our house and like and like so like in the newspaper article that my roommate had I'm like 18 and he's like he's like dude like we have to figure out like if we need to like not leave the house alone like one of us is going to get picked up on the street probably like yeah and like we knew we knew who did it but we didn't actually know who it was or whatever like we're like we definitely know who this is but like who the fuck knows who it actually is and so he was like like the article is like the dude is literally like yeah there's these punks that used to work here that live in this house and they're always talking about like burning down like like some dumb shit like that but like the implication is like Y'all burned down this, blew up a bank. <laughs> yeah, like 100%. Which is huge. And we were freaking out. And then like, all they like arrested some people for it. And we were like, okay, like they, whatever, like that, that court case is happening. That trial is happening. Like we're doing court support and all this shit for this. And then it came out that like, there was like a literal police infiltrator who would like come to shows at our house all the time show up with six packs of beer like on my front step and be like what are you guys doing tonight like whatever like and this dude was just like so ingrained yeah. in our shit for so and we were just like kid like we were like yeah everybody come over and drink 40s like whatever like you know like yeah and now i like having those moments of retrospect and just being like that's really crazy to be like it's going through when nuts. you're like, eight, 18 or whatever he took me to see billy bragg the cop <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck yeah wow yeah like yeah, he, fuck that dude. Yeah, totally fuck that dude. Also, I should have known he had like an eyebrow barbell and like was like forty five. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, yeah. But um, but yeah, like a lot of the like political organizing and stuff was like a lot of there was like a lot of women and like it was cool because there was a lot of like younger folks involved too. Obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so then you move here, you're 23, you said? Yeah, I got married and I moved here. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You like it here? I do like it here, yeah. And you've been here for a few years now, right? Yeah, it's like six years next month in March. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your life like here? Uh, really regular. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, I, like, I had like a pretty unstable in a sense like young like like teen into like young adulthood or whatever well yeah it sounds like it yeah and living in new york has been like the longest i've held down a job like the like longest i've lived in an apartment like and even then it's like i've moved like 
four times, five sure. times since I've lived here or whatever. Um, like the most consistent like friendships I've had or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, I like it a lot and it feels definitely like more like home at this point than anywhere else. Um, and yeah, it's just like very regular. Like I work playing bands. Yeah. Hang out in my room. <laughs> yeah. Like listen to records. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you book shows here still or are you have you like stepped back from that? I do on occasion, but I really don't like doing it. So I I have like like I'm booking two shows in April and I'm like pulling my hair out about it. Yeah. I feel like it's a thing that you kinda age out of. like either you age into that being your whole thing yeah. or you just sort of like it's like, okay, like someone take take on this responsibility because right. I'm sick of it. Yeah. And like even now when like like with the two shows I'm booking, it's like uh or no, I'm only I'm booking one now. Whatever. But it's like I'll like always be like, who wants to help me out? Like I can't do it alone. No. It's like too much. It's so hard to keep spaces here, a but then also just to like book a venue and like I'm I tr- I try really hard not to like book shows at bars or like whatever. Sure. And like just like going through all of that and like being like, okay, what are the like two DIY spots? That are having shows right now. Right, like, currently. Can I book a show there? Okay, I can't. Like, what is the bar that's, like, the least, like, policed or something? You know what I mean? Like, that has, like, the yeah. least amount of security that I can, like, try to, like, have a show at. That, like, still kind of feels like it's running in this, like, DIY way. But, like, there's no stage. Or, like, you know, like, yeah. the P- like I'm literally turning the PA on or whatever. Like, um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing it as much. But I will, like... I'll like, I'll like, people call in favors and I'll like do it or whatever. Especially if it's like bands that I'm like, yes, I want to fucking, yeah, absolutely have to play here. Like, I'm really excited to like see your band play or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what are the bands you're in right now? You're in a couple, right? Yeah. Naming them all is really funny because I ended up in three bands that start with T, but. Okay. Uh, um, Let's go through it. I am in a band called Taz. What do you do in Taz? I sing in that band. You sing in Taz. And then I played in a band called Twisted Thing and a band called Penis Boys, which is the stupidest name. Honestly, probably more embarrassing than the... <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I think it's great, too. I really like the name Penis Boys. Thank you, Ben Trogden, for naming our band. That He's was, an angel. He is an angel. Um, but, yeah, so there's Penis Boys, which I play guitar in, and then I play drums in a band called Terrorist. Yeah. Yeah, and then do a little, like, we should play, like, together, like little side project stuff but nothing that's like yeah, yeah for sure yeah what's um i'm not gonna ask you which is your favorite because that'd be <laughs> weird but like um i'm interested in 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 taz as a project yeah because i feel like it is a like it's really cool sounding i saw you guys in pittsburgh it was sick very pleasant surprise to cool. walk into that um horrible bar <laughs> and see so many people i knew unexpectedly like I didn't realize who was in Taz yeah um I was like oh a New York band like I'm sure I know these people and then it was really fantastic to just like see all of you but um it's um you know you started that band with your friend Parker right yeah who passed away well, last year yeah he passed away last year um the band it's actually what like the two tapes that exist are literally just me and Cody okay so I Cody and I started seeing each other and he lived all the way in Austin and I lived all the way in New York. Uh And I like took the fucking 
Amtrak all the way to Austin, Texas to visit him. Yeah. Because all of my ideas fucked up right now because I don't have a green card and I was like, I'm not flying. So yeah, I have to take the that. fucking train or whatever. Jesus. Uh, and when I was, and while I was there, he was like, man, we should like, I'll just like record everything and I'll send it to you and you should just like sing on whatever. And I was like, that sounds sick. Love male bands. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then literally I'm like, coming from Chicago to New York on the train home or whatever and Cody's like finished it and sends me all this shit or whatever uh and I'm was like wow like we'd both been listening to a lot of Chumbawamba yeah cool um and and like we were like yeah we should definitely start a band that definitely sounds like like has like Chumbawamba influence like whatever so I was like oh these songs are really great and then um how Parker got involved is like he was like this like like auxiliary member he did all the artwork for both of the tapes we would like he would do the artwork or whatever because he also loved the band and was like this is really great or, yeah like can i please make the art for this um and uh and then i went down to or was co i went down to austin and we played a show with just uh sarah who plays in chronophage mm -hmm. which is one of cody's bands great she played band. bass and Brendan, who's from DC, who lived in Austin for a while, who lives or played in uh, um, Pure Disgust and Hologram and whatever, he played guitar. So we just like mashed some people together to learn the songs and played the show like impromptu. Yeah. And then when we came, Cody came up to visit and someone was like, Does Taz want to play a show? And we were like, All right, Parker, like you got to play in this band. And like, and then Lauren uh, was like, Can I play? Bass. So Lauren played bass for yeah. that one show, and that was kind of when we Parker's were like. Parker's from Austin, right? I Parker feel like I remember seeing him around when I lived there. Yeah, Parker's from Austin. Um, um, but he, he was living here at the time when he played in Tez. Yes, he okay. moved up here for which is that's the whole I the I met Cody and Parker when Parker played in Nosferatu and they were on tour, right. and I met them, and then I like hung out with Cody and Parker all night and was just like this little shit rocks I love this kid or like whatever and yeah. he went back and like hit me up and was like I'm actually moving to New York for school like <laughs> oh, <so laughs> yeah and then we were like inseparable for like a long time or whatever yeah um so he moved up here and that's when yeah we like played that show and we were like you guys are our weird auxiliary members because we need people to play in this live yeah. band um and then we recorded the second tape and uh, Lauren and Parker didn't play on it, but we like credited them or whatever. Cause they, punk move. Yeah, because they played in the live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just list them on the tape. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And Parker did the artwork for that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I guess, I because when I saw you guys, it seemed like, I mean, it was, I think, pretty, Parker had died pretty recently. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like there was- Oh yeah, a, that was like a month afterwards. Yeah, and there was yeah. an element of the tour that seemed like it was like, um, like about loving your friend yeah in this way that I mean I guess like so much of what I've done in my life has been about like in the shadow of my some of my friends deaths yeah in this way that I think I try not to be morbid about like I think it's pretty it's pretty beautiful right to like love someone so much and then uh life is hard and people make all kinds of decisions and then mm -hmm. some of them die and then some of us are still alive and have to contend with the very complicated emotions yeah. of like grief and also like what the hell why do I deserve to be alive and not them what you know what am I doing with my life that's fucking worth anything and there was something 
that felt really beautiful about that show in a way that I, I don't think I've seen a lot in, yeah. in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, that was like, that tour was crazy because it was literally like, it happened, Cody was supposed to move here in October and it happened two weeks before he was supposed to move up. Yeah. And so he had to like fly up a week full of like, like we like had to, all of us had to like organize his like memorial and like whatever because his mom was just like, I can't even like, you guys do it. Like yeah. I'll come to whatever you guys organize, but I like can't. So it was like this crazy whirlwind of like, like flowers, like where are we gonna do it? Like all this stuff, like planning. Also this person was very young too. So yeah. it's like, you know, all of his like, and ours, but like our friends, a lot of our friends from Austin who were his age, like came up and like whatever. And there's like, like feeding all these kids and like, like just like going through the motions of grief and then also like actually having to like wake up every day and like drive the car somewhere to go get A, B and C stuff to like do this thing or whatever. And then it was like, I drove back. Juan Carlos drove a van up with all of these kids. Yeah. I went back, Cody and I went back in the van cause he had to move up. So it was like, we went back, we drove Fuck. back to Austin, like helped his roommates like pack up the house or whatever like packed up his car and then like drove back up to to New York um and then it was like we got back and like literally like two weeks later we had to leave for that tour Jesus (laughs) um and everyone that was in Taz was like like we asked Peter to come on the tour and um and we were all really really close with Parker and like Peter and I lived with him when he passed away um and like Peter was like they played in a band together and stuff they were like best friends and uh so it only felt appropriate like those were the the people that were like this feels good or whatever um and yeah that tour was I think it was like Pittsburgh was especially crazy because it was also after Fran had passed away Mm -hmm. um and like uh Fran was like an ever-present person in my life since I was like night because I met I met Nay when I was like 19 oh shit and so like Nay and I have been friends since I was like 19 and I how did you guys meet she dated my my roommate in Canada yeah the Boston Montreal like oh, Ottawa sure. connection was like Boston Montreal was very strong and then this dude who shall remain nameless because he's a piece of shit but they dated and so she came up to Ottawa to visit him and I lived with him and his kid like they lived at my house with me or whatever um wow and that's how we met and then like they stopped seeing each other and they and I just like were like like best friends or whatever um which is also part of the reason why New York was like an easy decision for me because she was already here at that point yeah um but uh yeah so right and I booked cervix like the Fran played in this band called cervix or whatever and i booked them at that house that had the basement when i was like 19 or whatever so i like met that person when i was 19 and we were never very close but she was like definitely my friend and like was really like her and they were like best friends you know um but so she was like this ever-present person in my life and like we got to pittsburgh and i forgot that the mural was even going to be there and we left jimmy and christina's house and like walked down through the like on our way to Gooski's to like eat before the show and like I turned and like saw her face or whatever and just like immediately like we all just started like breaking down you know um so I think that 
the like undercurrent of that tour was kind of like all of us were like freaking the fuck out like yeah we were all just in like intense grief like and like you know like it with like you know i'm in therapy now i'm an adult like oh, or whatever yeah, but, that's right get it girl <laughs> but uh but through doing like i started going to therapy to like for like grief stuff or like whatever yeah. and um and a lot of like trauma stuff and I am learning so much more about how much trauma like informs my life. Um, And like, I do think that there is like an amount of, I mean, obviously traumas can be very negative and like very like awful, but there are certain like, uh, like things that are like symptoms or like symptomatic of it that I do find like, like positive sure. like that show felt great and it was like we were like free, like we were all like like saw friends mural freaking out like we're all i'm like crying lauren's crying we're all like holding each other like having this moment like go to Kuski's, eat or whatever and like are still very also our friends that were with us were like from the uk um, oh shit i forgot you were touring with that other band yeah so subdued was with us and uh, Nikki, who plays drums in Subdued, also was friends with Parker. Like, they met because of me or whatever. Sure. So we're all, like, just having this really intense, like, grief moment or, like, whatever. And then, I th- yeah, we played that show. And I think I maybe even said for Fran and for Parker or something when yeah, we started playing. Yeah, said something like that. Um, but, yeah, so that that was felt is, like, really crazy. Because I think we were all just in our own, like, little, like, locked in, like, like yeah kind of like grief spiral like zone or whatever but it did feel like like it was a really intense tour but it did feel kind of cathartic in this way where like you know we had that banner with the poem he wrote on it um and like we would hang that up every night and like we you know we played in boston there was no one there and we like still put the banner up and like um and it did feel like this like kind of like we're really like like commemorating this person and like our love for this person is like like we were like feeling it so hard that it was just like like every show was like so good and we were just like really like it sounds corny to be no, like no it doesn't i i mean because i felt it at the show in yeah. pittsburgh that's the thing is like you know i didn't i like parker was a very striking looking person you know and so yeah. like I, you know, I only lived in Austin for two years and I'm 30, I'm probably like 15 or more years older than him. Yeah. I can only imagine. I'm almost 40. And so I, we like, I don't think we ever even had a conversation. Right. You know, but like, I remember him from just like, uh, jumping off high stuff or like doing the coolest shit. Yeah. Just kind of like being (laughs) a little, a little wild ass Mm -hmm. around Austin. And then like, I would see that he was, I like noticed because of social media, you know, you just, like, notice stuff that he was like, oh, that kid is in New York. Like, I remember that kid. Yeah. Um, I remember his band, you know, like, uh, he looks like a Lost Boys vampire. So cool. Um, <laughs> and, and, like, you know, there's a weird, there's a weird feeling about, like, um, the, like, kind of having, having lost such a, outsized number of friends right Mm -hmm. by my 40s or whatever where like I don't sometimes there's every every death that I see that's like in our world right 
brings up all these other totally. things for me in this pretty intense way. And so like, and it so it happens all like all the time because someone fucking dies every month yeah. or two, and then I'm like, oh, and then I'm thinking about all these people I miss and all the different ways that they're that they died and all the different ways that they're gone and all the different ways that I wish they were around and what I wish I was seeing, blah blah blah, and um, and sometimes that feels weird, yeah, and sometimes that feels really it's hard to good like it feels like a like a connection it feels like we're all on the same page and everyone is um together sharing something that's not about and like maybe this comes back to like the anarchist bookshop or whatever but it's like we're all sharing this thing that is like not about money it's not about how many people are in the room right. it's not about it's like uh intense catharsis that we all need to be involved in totally and like like I remember going to No Rio to a matinee that Cindy Crabb's band, old band Trouble 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 was playing right after this funeral for a friend of mine at the St. Mark's Church. And I was pretty young and I was like fucking shit-faced and I went to No Rio and like we had done this bike memorial bike ride and I went to No Rio and I got wasted and I was just dancing so hard. Yeah. And then at the end I was like talking to Cindy who I had met in Asheville on tour and I was like, I don't... I don't know if you understand how important that was that like you were playing this show today and that I could come here and do this because I just came from a funeral and it was this and it was that and blah, blah, blah. And then I've had similar experience with other people telling me like, oh, this, that, the book that you wrote, I read by chance right after a friend of mine died and you talk about your dead friend. And, um, and it's, I think just like being able to participate in all the, it, it felt I left that show feeling like really grateful and like it was like an honor that I got to be there right. for a moment of that tour because it felt like such an important thing. Yeah, which is beautiful, you know? Yeah. And like, like, and yeah, I like, it is like, I mean, it's funny to like be involved in like youth sub like in a subculture or something and to like kind of like have these like like aha moments where you're like where you're like oh like this is cathartic and this is why this is important like you know because like I feel like you get so kind of like jaded or like you know there's like any sort of like little like dramas or like whatever like interpersonal bullshit that just happens because you're fucking around people and that's like what fucking happens or whatever and like that muddies up so much of the like, like, like it muddies up so much of like, like appreciating like those moments and like those experiences. But then when it's happening, like, yeah, like it is like an extreme like catharsis. And I feel like Taz specifically, like, like even just in like, we're like writing new stuff or whatever, or like I've been like writing a lot of my own like, like poems or whatever. And like, so much of it is like like so much of that like creative momentum came from grief and like came from yeah. like being in pain and like missing my fucking friends because it yeah because that year was also great like it was like it was like every month of someone i knew died like yeah. actually and like and just like literally like having to go through like yeah those motions like over and over and over again and like in varying degrees or whatever and just like but like always coming back to this feeling of like I am super grateful for this community and like I am super grateful for like my friends and my like chosen family and like you know like I 
if it wasn't for fucking punk, I wouldn't have met that fucking kid, you know? Taz with their uh, the first song from the their 2018 I think cassette Taz 2 um, look it up I think if you find Cody um, the drummer's YouTube channel you could find both Taz tapes um, they're fantastic and um, I don't think the songs have names or at least there's no track listings on the actual cassettes um, or the um, the you know the digital versions that I've been able to find but um you know, look that shit up, give it a listen. I know I usually sing at, like a goofy song at the end of every episode, but it felt like um, talking about grief and mourning and dead friends like that, uh, it didn't feel right to just like break into like a um, like a, a silly version of a Spice Girls song or something, you know? Um, and I just thought, you know, I think Taz is a very powerful band and seeing them play was... Um, was really amazing, as I said, and it's uh, and they're a rare band that I think captures their energy really well on tape, and so I just wanted to play that song for you so y'all could get a some idea of what it was that um, Tay and I were talking about at the end there. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed. I'll put um, some links in the uh, show notes to some of Tay's bands, and I'll put a link to that Patreon I talked about in the beginning. Um, if you want to get some mail from me, that's the way to do it. And um, I don't know. I hope that this was like a, you know, an hour and eleven minutes and forty-five seconds of uh, of uh, decent time spent. Well, everyone's lives are so weird, and I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not someone to anyone should be looking to for answers. I don't know why I feel compelled to give an opinion about the fucking pandemic um so i'm not gonna i'm just gonna say my usual um you know fuck ice free palestine no cops no creeps no borders um now more than ever all these things apply so much stronger in this time of crisis and uh yeah no cops no creeps peace in the pizzeria i'm out <laughs>